Hello, and welcome back to Nature's Wonders. I'm your host, Will, and today we are joined with Jeff Miyake. He is a world-class aquascaper and the North America brand ambassador for Awaza. Thank you for listening and stay tuned till the end. This podcast is sponsored by Corals Anonymous and Aquachar. How you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing great today, Will. That's awesome. So before we get going, can you give me a little bio about yourself and just how you got in the aquarium hobby and just a little bit about your journey through the hobby? Oh man, that's a long, long story now. Uh, I'll give you the really brief um, version of it. So I've been an aquarist for 40 years, so I'm showing my age a little bit. And um, I got into the aquarium hobby uh, basically my childhood steered me in that direction. So, uh, I grew up on a lake up in Wisconsin and I would wake up early summer mornings and creep up to the lake. And it was like a mirror. It was like an aquarium and you could see all the fish in there. And, uh, it was just a natural evolution into the hobby. Yeah. So, and then, um, I was in and out for years um, and I ended up getting another tank just out of college. Um, and that tank was a community tank and it rehooked me and I never looked back and I pretty much kept fish ever since then. So since my early twenties, uh, I've been keeping fish and I've kept pretty much um, the whole gambit. So lots of fresh water and also salt water. And then about 10 years ago, I got into aquascaping when I discovered Takashi Amano's works. And I just remember I came across his book, I had to buy it. And I was looking at his book, looking at my tank. So I had a planet tank, CO2, the whole, the whole kit, right? And Sure enough, um, I'm looking at this book. I'm going, I'm doing something wrong. And I just really dove in deep at that point and uh, figured it out. And they had the IAPLC contest. Um, and it, it was just something I entered just to do it, just to see um, what it was like, just try it out. And I was hooked on that immediately too. So that's kind of the brief version of it of my aquarium history we could talk about it probably for hours but yeah that's the two minute short well short story yeah. that sounds good but uh so i know that the aquarium hobby especially planted tanks uh it was a lot different 10 years ago and it just <laughs> keeps growing especially in america too uh i feel like we're kind of behind the european and asian places so what struggles did you find when you were trying to recreate all these Amano designs? Oh man. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head. So there was very little information shared at the time. Um, I, I was sitting down on the search engines trying to find anything and everything I could on aquascaping. There was so little, so a lot of it, I had to just figure out myself. 
um, try to reverse engineer the photos that I was seeing in the books and the um, online contests and all that. So there was a lot of growing pains I went through. I, I learned the hard way for sure. I didn't have peers. Um, so I, I kind of felt like I was alone. And yeah, it was just, it was a really a, a tough period. And the materials weren't readily available. So just hunting down materials to use was difficult in itself. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you passionate about something, you just persevere and get your way through it. I, I feel so blessed these days that I have such a network of peers here in the USA, in North America, um, to share this hobby with. I don't know as I'd still be doing this hobby if it weren't for that network of folks. Mm-hmm. Did you find that the plant selection was also hard to come by, like specific plants? I mean, I know there's still plants that only Amano can use or he did use. And I mean, is that was that a challenge for you? Yeah, it was an extreme challenge. So getting plants was difficult. You were getting them from fellow hobbyists. I was big on the forum boards. I went under MOT, MOT, uh, back in the day. And um, I did a lot of posting and a lot of um, collaborating with folks to get different plants in. And that was a huge challenge. If you look at my earlier works, it's very evident that the variety of plants just was not there. Mm Mm-hmm. So you spoke earlier about joining the aquatic competitions. Can you tell me a little bit more about how a competition works and, I mean, what a competition entails? Yeah, so there's two types. There is an online photo contest, and then the second type is a live contest. And I've participated in both. So the online photo contest, what it boils down to is you prepare your tank, and when it's ready, you take one photo of it. And it's a front tank shot. So the camera centered up on the front glass of the tank and you click one photo and you submit that into the contest and then it's judged. And then a few months later, they release the rankings. And then you have the live contest where you um, show up in person and they'll have anywhere between say five and 30 tanks. And it is a much smaller competition and that contest you either are provided with materials sight unseen or you bring your materials in and you set it up in a certain time frame so they have somewhere like six hours some are as long as two eight hour days uh, to put it together from bare glass the materials you brought add the fish clean up the water and then judged um, and that's that is a lot of fun maybe not for everybody because it is a lot of effort but the, I think the reward is there. Um, this one of the things um, with a online contest and you're taking a photo versus a live contest where people can actually come and see it, the judges actually see it and see how the fish behave. Um, that's my favorite is the live. Um, I really excel at the live contest where you can see the plants flowing and the fish going throughout the aquascape. Uh, I think the reality is the fish really are the true judges if the aquascape is good. So do you find that one is harder than another? Because the online competition, I mean, you have months and months and months to prepare, but Mm -hmm. so does everyone else. Do you find that the time crunch helps you or hurts you? Uh, For me, it helps. I'm very quick because I have so much experience. I have a lot of techniques, 
a lot of tricks up my sleeve uh, to put together a very impressive aquascape very quickly. So my experience shines there, where others that are doing pretty much online and they're taking months and months to develop it, they're not going to have that same skill set. So there's two different skill sets there. So uh, I've been very um, successful at both. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a history about your awards and your placements in <laughs> That'll take a while. <laughs> so I've been competing for 10 years, and sometimes I'll enter four or five contests a year. So um, typically IAPLC, I've, I've entered, this was my ninth year I entered. Last year I was 65th in the world uh, rankings. So to give you some idea, the contest entries, there's usually somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 entries and uh, from around the world. So you have up to like 70, 75 countries will compete in this. And uh, so to get, you know, 65, that doesn't sound so great. But when you compare it to 2,500, it uh, puts things in perspective. So anything in the, that top 5% is a really, really high ranking. Yeah. And when you get into those high ranks, the judging is... Um, very difficult. I, I've, I've judged these international contests myself, and it's just, it just, it, it almost comes down to your mood that day or your personal preferences, what you like over something else, or just maybe some minor, tiny flaw or something like that when you're talking about that top 100. They're, they're just, they're all amazing. So what is the process when they judge it? Do they look at each one and score it? Or are they like going up against each other? Yeah, that that is correct. So each judge will be handed the portfolio of entries and they'll go through one at a time and judge them individually. And then those scores are rolled up. And then whoever has a high score at the end wins. Wow. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't know if there's additional collaboration on some of these, like, um, like they shortlist the top 10, um, the, each contest I'm sure has its own judging, uh, but most are kept, um, secret. They're not shared. The scoring isn't shared always. IAPLC is one of the few that used to share the actual scoring of the top 100. And I think they've stopped that. Um, you know, it's so subjective. So it, it, the, the, the ranking is really, for me, the ranking is not all important because it could change. It could change by a day. If, if you hit a judge on one day versus another, it might influence your ranking. It's so subjective. You know, they do their best to do these rankings. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy when you're separating, like, say, the top 200 from the, the rest of the 2,300 entries. But the, that top 200, what you'll see in those aquascapes is you'll see a completeness. You'll see the water is polished. The fish are the stars. They shine in that layout. They, um, the plants all look amazing. The plant groupings um, really are striking. The hardscape is impressive and bold and makes a, a very good first impression. They all share those characteristics. Mm-hmm. So yeah. from so from bare glass, what's your process about planting and hardscape and finishing your tank? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
it's a good question. So from bare glass, I will start working with the hardscape and I will start getting a feel for it, the scale of that hardscape and figure out what pieces I want to use, what I want to create with those pieces. You know, I let those pieces speak to me. I don't have unlimited hardscape. Some, some of the, my fellow competitors will have mega piles of hardscape to, to sort through and they'll have something in mind more and they can find the materials to build it. I'm much more, I need to look at my material that I have on hand and then figure out what can I build with this? Cause I don't usually have enough on hand. And I usually have probably double of what I'm going to use, if not triple. So even with that much material, it's still not enough to get the right shapes because you're talking about stones and most stones, you really can't break them up uh, and have them still look top notch, Mm -hmm. right? Because you can't have a man-made broken cut and have that shown in a award-winning aquascape it's just not gonna it's just not gonna work so there's a limitation of materials absolutely and then so i look at those materials and then what i do is i'll build the hardscape up so if there are man-made cuts say in wood and that i will actually take power tools to it and shape that out so sculpt it out of it uh, so that it's natural and organic feeling I will work on the flow. I'll also make sure that the structure is solid at that point, that it's not going to shift when I do maintenance because my maintenances are quite aggressive. I want to keep it near LG free. I don't want any ugly types of LG like BBA or staghorn. I do want um, the green, you know, real short green fuzz LG here and there is nice sometimes to give it an aged look. So uh, I need to be on top of the maintenance and then also the plant health. So once I have the structure built and secured, I'll put the substrate in and get the substrate line set up and then I'll plant it. And what I found is if I've had matured plants uh, farmed already, those scapes always turn out better. Um, And I don't have the room to farm all the time. And it really does set me back in the contest. And you can actually, I, I think, look through my, um, entries throughout the years and see which ones, I bet you could guess which ones I had farm plants and which ones I didn't. It's, it's that noticeable, I think. Uh, so I'll plant it and start growing those plants out. And then after about, oh, two to four weeks, I'll add the fish and then start training the fish so that I know their behavior and I know how I can pose them in the scape and I know I can get them where I need them to be in the photo. And uh, then it's the photo photo time. And that usually takes about a week to get the final photo. I'll set up maybe two or three times um, different days and do a photo shoot and then pick pick the like top five photos I like. And then the, the day before I submit, I'll pick the, the final photo, the, the one. Mm-hmm. So you talked about farm plants. Are you growing your plants immersed when you can or are you just no, taking it from your uh, old aquascapes? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not immersing any of the plants. I have a very uh, small uh, area to do my aquascaping in. Unfortunately, if I had more space, I'm sure I could do some really cool things. But um, you have to work with what you have. And uh, I, I am not doing any immersed plants. So they're all summers. So when I get pl- 
plants. Um, I try to get them submersed. Sometimes I do have to get them immersed and transition them, and that usually is a big mess and really slows me down. Uh, and the other thing is tissue culture. So I'm not sure you would call those immersed. They're basically like yeah, baby plantlets. I, they, they don't really have a transition period mm -hmm. um, in my experience. That they'll, they're so small, when they start growing, they start growing submersed. Mm -hmm. And I love tissue culture plants, being pest-free, snail-free, disease-free, algae-free. Um, yeah, I, I really I really like it. And, and then also the size of those plants is perfect because then you can plant on your grids and get that every quarter inch you can put a plantlet in there in your offset grids or however you want to put in so you can get those plants that are later going to be a lot much much larger and if you try planting when they're larger it's just going to get messy so to have those little tiny plants is key i think to aquascaping uh, you know and getting a very granular detailed look to the aquascape a very finished polished look yeah so you talked about your uh taking the picture and you said that takes about a week long how do you take your picture? I've seen some videos from Green Aqua and other people, but what's your process in taking a picture? Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. Uh, so I have so many windows and doors and reflective surfaces in my office where my tank is. And so I have to build a booth around the tank. So I get out my tripods and I hang blackout material. So I actually cover the entire tank area with blackout material. So I can't get any glares, all that. And then what I'll do is that night before it's all set up, ready to go for the next day photo shoot. So everything in the tank is done. All the trimming, primping, making sure everything looks how I want it to look. So I'm not doing any of that the day of glasses clean. All that prep work has already been done. So now all I have to do is come in, set up my, my booth. And sometimes I'll even set the booth up the night before. And then uh, I have the camera set up where I want it. So I'll set it up on a tripod, set up my remote triggers. So I have um, a wireless remote trigger for the camera to shoot the, um, to trip the shutter so that I can be at the tank. And what I'll do is I'll actually corral the fish where I need them to be so that when I release them, they, they'll school in the area that I want. And I've already anticipated this and practiced it through the maintenance and feeding of the fish over the last few months. So there's very, there's, um, very little that could go wrong at that point. I know how the fish are gonna behave. I know what level they're gonna be in the tank and I know I'm gonna get them to, sh to show off. And I'm not going to stress them because taking you turn the filters off, lights are on full power. I've lowered the lights to get as much light over the tank as possible. And sometimes that can freak fish out. So practicing it with them reduces their stress. So they are used to my hands in the tank. They're used to the lighting. They're used to the filters off when I do maintenance. So it's just another day for them. So that's really important because if you stress your fish, you're gonna lose the color in your fish. So you talked about your filter. Do you have any special uh, filter that you're using? Yeah, so uh, full disclosure, so I am the um, North American ambassador for Owasa. So I use all Owasa products for my filtration. 
I love the Biomaster. I have the Biomaster Thermo 850 on my 120 centimeter tank and I love it. The pre-filter on there is such a time saver. Before the Biomaster, the filters were taking me like two hours a week to maintenance. It was such a pain. And sometimes I would run two filters on my tank and it, it was a lot. And when I switched over to the Biomaster and I could just clean the pre-filter in two minutes, and my maintenance went from two hours to two minutes on filter cleaning. That was a game changer. Mm -hmm. What other products does Waza produce? Yeah, they produce a lot of products. So they're headquartered overseas. So we don't have a full range of products here, but they have different um, full aquarium setups. The Highline, the Styline uh, aquariums, they have their own lighting systems. Um, heaters, so the heaters, uh, the um, heat ups, they call them, uh, come in different sizes and they're glass quartz sleeves on them and uh, they integrate with their filters. So even if you buy one of their filters without the heater, you can add it later. Um, they have some accessories, nets, um, aquascaping tools, glass cleaner. What else have we got? Oh, and then they have a bunch of different filters. So they have in-tank filters. They call them the BioCompact. And um, they also have the Filter Smart external filter, which is smaller than the Biomaster. Uh, they have a great lineup of products to fit most people's needs. Yeah, it's um, it, and it's all really um, good quality. And they, they interestingly enough, they have a um, they have color-coded plastic on the products. So the products are dark gray, and then there's blue pieces on the filters. So like the filter clips they use to, to put the housing onto the, um, it, it is blue colored. So you know that those are action um, items. So you know that that's where you interact with the device. So if it's blue, there is something you can do there. If it's gray, leave it alone. So it's really cool. I like that feature. Huh. I never knew that about it. And I've had a filter for a few years. <laughs> An Owasa? Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere. You know what I'm talking about then. All the blue stuff mm -hmm. on the filter. That's all um, stuff that you can interact with. But either taking it apart, um, making modifications, cleaning it, whatever. But they, um, that's what that's, that coding is. So yeah, that's trying really to make interesting. it. Yeah, isn't that that's something most people don't know that. So that's one of the things I'm doing is going around and letting people know how cool these things are. Yeah. So does Awaza do they have a uh, like a stores in the states or is it all just selling to other like fish stores and things? Yeah. So you won't be able to buy Awaza directly. So they you'll find it at uh, retailers, so local fish stores, and um, as, as well as online. Okay. So do they have an online store like just themselves or is it still the online retailers? Right. Exactly. So they don't sell direct. So can you tell me a little bit more about any projects that you have in the works? I've, uh, I've recently retired. I was a computer guy. I was a systems administrator, um, data center guy, and I recently retired. So I've been doing this now basically full time doing aquascaping and it's been amazing. I started in January and um, I 
uh, I never has have been really very much into social media. In fact, I didn't even have Instagram loaded on my devices <laughs> until then. So I've been posting there and you can follow what I'm doing there. Um, I've done a couple of things. Um, number one, I started a YouTube channel. Uh, and I, my first videos on there are called behind the photo. And what I did is I put, pull that camera out as I was building my IPLC entry for this year and just showing everybody those techniques and just everything I went through to create the layout that I was entering. And, um, the second thing I've been doing is, uh, a series called scape it forward. And what that is about inspiring and connecting with the community that's given me so much. And in that, I pick a, a material and I pick an inspiration and I create a hardscape layout in a 45 centimeter aquarium. And then I give it away. I give it away to a lucky winner. And, and you do this all on Instagram? I do this on Instagram. And it's like Instagram slash YouTube. Okay. And I give it away and let them go at it. So I have not uh, had a chance because this is fairly new. I've done three of these now. Um, one online and two at Aquashella in Orlando. So there's three winners out there now that have these setups. And we're going to come back around and I'm going to feature them on my channel and see what they did with it. How they finished it? What fish they put in there? Did they change the hardscape up? Well, how did it end up looking? So that's part of the inspiration and connection and just sharing the message of aquascaping. I think it's a wonderful hobby. I think uh, more people need to be in it mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. I had a great time and maybe another future episode in the works. But yeah, thank you so much for coming today. You're very welcome, Will. It's good talking to you too. Anytime, you, anytime I'm, I'm up to talk about aquariums. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode of Nature's Wonders. I hope you enjoyed it. And stay tuned for our next episode with Live Aquaria. Thank you for staying till the end.